forward to what we have for today and call it breakthrough prayer. So uh, what what is trying to say is that you too can have hundred percent answered prayers. Mm. That's what what I'm trying to say. That's what we're trying to look at. Mm. Uh, you know, we have this uh, thing, this understanding about prayer, where we always wonder is prayer really like you? You know, mm. there's this teaching we have like when you pray when God likes the answer, if he doesn't like, you know, and then the, the, those things like God's time is the best come about and all those kind of things. And then they'll be like, no, when you pray and then you're not, if you're not ready, God will tell you, wait. And then, <laughs> and then when you're ready, he'll not give it to you, those kind of things. So I think it was you I was asking the other day. I asked you, I was like, do you know that there are some children that when they are born, all these things we are searching for there, they have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Toshi, I was asking that question. Yeah, so I mean, those kind of families they tell their children to wait, <laughs> wait until you grow up, you see, mm-hmm. but they have it already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so w- we kind of use our human relationships to define God relationship, mm-hmm. but that is not how God, our Father, is. All right, mm-hmm. so we're going to take a look at that and we're going to try to disabuse our mind mm-hmm. of those ideas, right? And ref- refresh, <laughs> refresh them or replenish them with biblical ideas, right? Mm. Hallelujah. Not what people have told us about God. Uh, all right? Hallelujah. Mm. So come with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We'll be looking at breakthrough prayers. So if you have it, Genesis uh, 1, 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay. So, it's saying, let them. Right? Mm. It's not let us and them. Mm. Right? Mm. Let them have dominion. So when God created the earth, he filled it with all that it takes to sustain man. One time you thought about that kind of thing, Victor, right? Mm. Yes. So, that's what happened. Happened. God filled everything that sustained man. Mm. And then he now said in 26, and let them have dominion. So the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that is what the, was it the psalmist, the psalmist right, yes. was saying. Yes. So in essence, what he's saying that the earth is full. I don't know if you guys hear me. The earth has everything, right? But then God handed it over to man. So this, this what I'm trying to say is for those who think God is in charge, God is not in charge, man is in charge. Let them have dominion. He didn't say let us and them, right? Let them give it to them. But the earth is the Lord's, right? Mm. Then he okay, have dominion. You get it? Mm. Yeah. He is the owner, but man is the manager. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's see Matthew chapter eight, verse eight to ten. So we're trying to uh, bring us to what we're talking about, right? Mm. So we're just uh, creating the idea, creating the the building slowly, slowly, and. As we are creating it, we are tearing down the old ones, right? Matthew. So Matthew eight, eight to nine, eight to ten. Matthew eight, eight to ten. Yes. The centurion replied, "Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be, be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and tell that one come, and he comes." I said to my servant, do this, and he does it. Then, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel 
with such great faith. Okay. Mm. So in the first place, that's what what great faith is. Great faith is the gospel. Great faith is the good news. So he has not seen someone, he's comparing that man's understanding of authority mm. to the gospel. Remember, Jesus Christ is all about the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's saying, this guy, he understands authority as if it is the gospel, as if it is the truth. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yeah. So, you see, you see the story. The man's child is sick. Others will be like, Master, come to my house, come to my house. He said, no, I don't need you to come to my house. Mm-hmm. Just say the word. Why? Because he, he understood authority. Right? As a soldier, if he tells his man, go and do this, he, he doesn't care, he doesn't go with the guy to go and make sure he does it. All he says is, go and do it, and the guy does it. So he's like, I know you have that authority, so just say the word. Mm. You get it? Mm. Yeah, and those guys marveled. He was like, yeah, I've not seen any faith like this one mm. in, in all of Israel. Right? And he compared it to the gospel. Okay. So, now, an understanding of authority. When, when we begin to understand authority, then we begin to understand prayer. And then we begin to understand our place in prayer. Okay? I want you to understand or note that God has set the system of supply to all your needs. At the moment, God said, let them have dominion. The power of God has already gone forth. I don't know if you get it. It has gone forth and given you dominion. So the answer is not with God anymore. I don't know if you're getting me. So that's the, the road is breaking. And they're like, ah, God, save us. He has already said what? Have dominion. I don't know if you get it. Mm-hmm. He, he, he answered the prayer, but he answered it ahead of time. I don't know, I don't know if I'm making sense. Okay, so we'll get there. We'll understand as, as we continue with the study. So, God has sent the system of supply to all your needs. So, it's a system. It's like when you plant something, it has to grow. And then you harvest what you planted. You don't need to go praying for it. Huh? It's a system that has already been in place. If you plant a, a grain of corn, you get corn back. I don't know if you're getting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the system is already in place. So you don't need to pray for the system. I don't know if you get it. You just have to work the system. I don't know if I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to know how the system works, works. to work it. Mm-hmm. So if you know how to play the keyboard, do you need to go pray prayers? If you want to play a song, you do what? You learn how the, those keys sound and then you do it. Right. Okay, so let me reiterate. God has sent the system of supply to all your needs and all you have to do is receive that's why Jesus Christ kept on saying ask and you shall what receive it is a ask and it will be answered mm-hmm. right ask and you will what receive so the answer is already is not there already it's already gone forth ahead of you because what your heavenly father knows what you want right so if he already knows what you need before you ask he has also already answered it that's why you ask and you receive seek and you find Okay, so we'll get there. So your father knows of your needs before you ask. Let's see Mark 11, 20 to 26. Mark 11, 20 to 26. And in the morning, I read, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answered, answering, said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in those things which what he had he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. 24. Therefore I say unto you, What 
things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now let's break this down a little bit. When Jesus Christ said, have faith in God, he didn't say, when you pray, believe that God will give it to you. You see what he said? He said, when you pray, believe that you have them and you will receive them. He didn't say, believe that your Holy Father has answered them. I don't know if, you, if you're seeing this, but for, for us, based on the misunderstanding of prayer, when we pray, we do what? Believe that the Heavenly Father has had us. What the answer? Has had us and that he will answer. I don't know if you get him. But he did it. He did it. He, re- he removed the Heavenly Father from death. He said, have faith in God. Mm-hmm. But now he said, what? Well, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall receive them. Did you see the Father there? Did you see God? Did you see? I don't know if you get him. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're going to be deconstructing this as we go on. Mm-hmm. Right? But you see that there is no God mm-hmm. hearing and answering them. Right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because man already has dominion. Mm-hmm. So. It brings you to the question, what then is prayer? Mm-hmm. Right? And we'll answer that question as we go on. Okay. Alright. So, let's also see Luke, 20, Luke 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good, good stored up in his heart. Okay. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay. So, it's saying that the heart of a man brings forth what it has in store, mm-hmm. right? So, if they see this good, the fruit will be good, the, the fruit will be good, mm-hmm. right? If it's not good, it will not produce anything, mm-hmm. right? So, the same thing with the heart of man. If it is good, it will bring forth good. If it is evil, it will reproduce evil. Mm-hmm. Right and wrong come from the heart. Therefore, whatever you put in your heart has the capacity to reproduce. So the heart is the soil. You know that parable of the soil, of the sower who went about spreading seeds. Some fell on this, some fell on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the heart. Right. So the heart is the soil and the seed are words. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we already know that. Right. So God doesn't just make things happen because he is God. Let's put this out forward. Right? Okay. Yeah. You know, people be like, no, if God will, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and everything, everything that happens, good or evil, God, you know. Mm-hmm. So they remove the man from the equation. Mm-hmm. When right from the beginning, Genesis, in the beginning, God said, "What? Well, let them have dominion." So whether this world is good or bad, is man. Mm-hmm. It's not God, right? Yeah. So God, I, I mean, God is all power; we can do anything. Right? And he only did it. He said, you have dominion. Do the thing. Right? So, God doesn't just make things happen because he is God. Actually, we'll, we'll, one of these days we'll look at the study of why things happen the way they happen. Right? Okay. So, which removes God from the equation also. So, those who says it is God, like, say if, if God wants me to, or if God wants it to, you know, there are people who say those kind of mm-hmm. things. Like, no, God will ask, God will do this thing if he wants to. Mm-hmm. And God will answer my prayer if he wants to. Those kind of things. They are shying away from responsibility. Because as we saw in Genesis chapter 1, let them have what? Dominion. We will still keep going back there. 
Because that's where everything started. Right? Let them have dominion. So if someone has given you authority, has given you power, right? Let's say you are in an, in an office, right? And you are the boss in that office. But if you don't know your authority, your juniors will be walking all over you, isn't it? I don't know if you're getting me. Mm. Right? So this is a corporate body, it has levels, and you are the top. Let's say the, the owner gives you the authority <coughs> to handle his company, handle his business, right? And then you don't know your level of authority. You're just there. Even the clerk in the office will be working all over you. So will you now go back and go and blame the owner? You blame yourself mm. for not understanding, right? To get it. Yeah. So those people who say if God wants to, or if God wants me to have this, or if God wants to give me this, those people are shying away from responsibility. Their responsibility as God has already given to them. Right. So what's gonna be is gonna be. That's what they usually say. Mm. But what's going to be is not going to be. <laughs> it is what you want that will be. If you don't want it, it won't be. You see, how Jesus Christ spoke to the fig tree. And he said, henceforth nobody will eat of you. And he went to do it. Did he, did he say, God, answer my prayer? <laughs> he just said, henceforth. No. He will say, okay, Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is a pattern for us. Right? Since we are believers in him, right? He's the first fruit. So he's the pattern, he's the prototype for us, isn't he? Yeah. So what's gonna be is not gonna be. It's what you allow that will be. So the heart and mouth of man has a place in this world. The heart and the mouth of man. Let's see 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4. And I'll read. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy two verse one to four. So, I want you to see the will of God. The will of God is what? Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Right? It's not, his will is not, if, you, if I want to give you this, I will give you. If I don't want, I won't give you. No. We've already seen what the will of God here is, right? Yeah. He, have, he wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So that's the will of God. Salvation is the will of God. So, how then are all men saved? How then do everybody get into this will of God? John 3 verse 16, as we already said, already, already know, right? Mm. By, which is by believing. By believing. All right. So moving on. When God said, let them have dominion, he didn't change it. And he has never changed it. Mm. And he will never change it. When he said, let them have dominion, he does not interfere. Because remember, God is not the man that he should lie, nor neither is he the son of man that he should repent. So when he gave it to man, he didn't come the next day and say, ah, this thing, we shouldn't have given it to this guy, let's, let's take it back. He didn't do like that. So man is still in charge, man is still in charge. Quite all right, Adam fell and lost the authority. But Jesus Christ has retrieved it back and has given it back to us as believers. <laughs> okay? All right. So, so God will not interfere with that dominion. And he will not alter what he said. So let's see Romans 10, verse 8 to 9. But what does it say? 
the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If we declare with your mouth, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Okay, so that was it when we read him. But but I wanted to see the authority that your mouth and your heart carries. Mm. Right? It's it has enough authority or enough power to transform you from one kingdom to another kingdom. Mm. If it has that kind of power, what other kind of power wouldn't it have? Mm. Uh, I don't know if it's making mm. sense. Mm. Yeah. But it is with the mouth and the heart, mm. right? Mm. You you say and you believe and you are saved. Mm. End of the matter. You didn't do any other thing. Mm. So it has the power to translate you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. What are, what how much more in prayer? You see. I want you to see that prayer is not only about believing in God. You know that unbelievers pray and it and it works for them. You know that? Kind of, kind of. It's not kind of, it's true. Mm. Because you see, there is no God in this matter. When God said, Let them have dominion, he didn't say, Let them believe in me and then have dominion. Let them have dominion. End of the matter. There was no you have to be a believer. There was no condition. I don't, I don't know if you see the picture. There was no condition. There was no you have to be a believer in Christ Jesus <laughs> for you to have dominion. No. Let them have dominion. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. So even those who don't believe, if they say and they believe in their heart that what they say will happen, like they, like they have enough belief in what they want, they get it. How else do you think they, uh, they succeed? Mm. Right. Okay. So, Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. Let's see that one. Let's go back to the beginning again. 2, verse 16? Yes, and 17. Uh, okay, let me read. And, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat, freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Right. So it's what? Choice. God was giving man choice. So in other words, God was asking the man to determine the outcome of his life. Right? So if God at the beginning gave you choice, how much more now? I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. How much more now? Even when he created the the man, he gave him choice. I said, okay, choose. So if you eat this one, this is what will happen. He didn't say it's what I will do to you. <laughs> don't mistake that one. Yeah. So this is what will happen. Yeah. So you choose. So if God gave you choice at the beginning, how much more now? Right? So you determine the outcome of your life. So you should take charge of your choices. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So now let's look a little bit more. The believer is prone to the assumption, or let me put this way, Christians are prone to the assumption that they know how to pray. Okay? And when he or she gets to a point of unanswered prayer, which comes, I'm talking about unanswered prayer now, which comes from lack of knowledge in what the word of God says about prayer. I don't know if I make sense in what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Christian is prone to the assumption that he or she knows how to pray. And when he or she gets to the point of unanswered prayer, I'm saying unanswered prayer comes from a lack of knowledge in what the word of God says about prayer. 
So when we come to that point, we freeze. We start looking for some man of God somewhere. Right? I said, ah, no, maybe God, God I, maybe I have offended God somehow. And then let me look for somebody else who will help me pray. Right? So, that is, when, when we better get to that point, questions such as, are you sure you prayed right? Come on. Right? Like when you say, no, I not receive answers, man. They will ask you, are you sure you prayed right? Or they will say, do you know the will of God for your life? Maybe you are not praying according to the will of God for your life. Am I making sense here? Yeah? And so many of them, there are so many questions. Are you praying according to the will of God? Or are you, uh, or they will tell you, okay, maybe you don't know the will of God, you should pray to know the will of God. You know? Maybe that's why you're not having answer to your prayers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many, so many of them. But these ones are the ones that are most common. Yeah. So when, when the believer gets to that point of unanswered prayer, people start to ask those kind of questions. Or they even ask themselves those kind of questions. Right? So I want you to understand that unanswered prayer is a myth, like I said earlier. And it comes from a lack of knowledge in what the word of God says about prayer. Once they take note of the word of God, what the word of God, not what people say about prayer, but what the word of God says about prayer. That is where on then people start to think, okay, God does not answer prayer. Alright? Hallelujah. The parables of Jesus, we're going to use it to look at some of these things. When you see the parables, especially the parables of Jesus, they are not literal. But most people take them literally. They are not literal, they are figurative. They are figurative illustrations and analogies and they require interpretation. Right? Okay. So, for every parable, there is a fact, there is a fiction, and then there is a lesson. Usually, parables are used to communicate realities. Mm. Yeah. You, I mean, even in our local culture, we have those parables. When someone gives you those kind of parables, you don't take them literally. You have to break it down and understand what the person is saying. It's the same thing with parables in the Bible. Right? Mm. But many believers have come to the point where they just take it word for word the way it is. And they assume the story is exactly what it is not. So you have to break it down. So let's see one of them. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 13. 18 verse? Verse 9 to 13. To some who were confident of their unrighteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collectors, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for okay. all those fourteen, you, you skipped, you skipped, but continue. You just finished fourteen. Okay, I want fourteen. I skipped mm. somewhere. No, I mean you, you passed where I said, but finish fourteen. Oh, okay. Mm. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Okay. So did you see the story, mm. right? Then those guys explain this the story. Those who exalt themselves. <laughs> will be humble. 
I don't know how they sell to be exalted. But there's something else you didn't notice. Mm. Talking about prayer now. Mm. You see, when we go to pray, oftentimes we make the mistake, we go to God and we're like, God, you see, I've been in the choir for 20 years. Mm. I've been working in the vineyard of God for 10 years. Mm. God, I always go to church. I've never missed church. Mm. We, have, we have tried to pray, right? But we brought what our works, which is exactly what this Pharisee guy did. Are you seeing it? Mm. Right? He brought everything that he does mm. in front of God, and he's like, "These are the things I have done for you." Mm. So God, you have to answer my prayer mm. because I have done these things. Mm. But this guy tells you that the person that is exalted is what the person that humbled himself. Now this guy, other guy, the tax man. He came based on what? The sacrifice. You know, uh, in the Jewish religion, they usually bring lamb for sacrifice mm. to pray. So now he came, he couldn't look up because he was looking down at the sacrifice. So when you come to pray, you come based on what Christ has done for you, the lamb for sacrifice. Not based on what you can do or what you have done. Am I sense? You see, so if you come based on that humble sacrifice, you will be exalted. But if you come based on your own works, you will not receive. And if I'm making sense, okay. So the lesson here is that every prayer that will get God's attention must begin with justification by faith, not works. You see, God have mercy on me. And he came with his sacrifice. This guy came with his works, proud of what he had, he can do. Mm. It actually makes me see that that was the difference between Cain and Abel. Cain came based on his works. Abel came based on faith. Mm. Okay, well that's another topic. But let's continue. So, if I'm to come to God, I must come because Jesus Christ has made me accepted. Right? So I come by faith in what Christ has done for me on the sacrifice of Christ. So based on the relationship that I have with God, there is no request that can be denied. I don't, I don't know if I'm making sense. So, you know, there's this parable this guy gave of this guy. He went to his friend's house in the night. And he was like, friend, give me something. And, and this guy said that his friend rose up in the night and gave it to him. Do you know why he gave it to him? Mm. Because he has a relationship with him. Right? Mm. Yeah. And that guy came based on the relationship. So if a friend can do that, how much more your father? Am I making sense? Mm. So, based on the relationship that we have with the father, there's no request that can be denied. Let's see Luke 11, verse 8 to 13. Yes. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, okay, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and to be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Okay. 
So I want to see something from the message. To the team? Yeah, to the team. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. Mm-hmm. So, it's, he's trying to tell you the importance that God attributes to you. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is more important than anything you are asking. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? So if he can give you that one that is more important, his Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. What else can he not give you? Mm-hmm. Right. But I wanted to see something from the Message Bible. It's very interesting. Starting from 10. Mm-hmm. He says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we are in. If your little boy asks for a serving of fish, do, not, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You are at least decent to your own children. And don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? On the note of what? Be direct. Prayer that will receive answer must be specific. You know, if you come in prayer and you say a multitude of words, mm. right? And you don't have any direction. <laughs> okay, let me put it like that. You don't have any direction. You just come, ah, God, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You sing God the song. Mm. And then you finish and you say, Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. And you go. What did you say? Nothing. Mm. But my God also um, is, is not that place. It's according to the power that works in you above all that you think. Efficient. Right. So the power that works in you goes what? Above all that you think or say. I want you to understand. Mm-hmm. Above all that you think or say. So the power goes above that. So the power has to satisfy what you are thinking or saying and then go beyond it. So if you are not saying anything and thinking anything, how would the power work? I don't know if you're seeing this. Mm-hmm. Is it making sense? Mm. Yeah. That's why it must be what? Direct, specific. Prayer must be what? Specific. Okay. Ask and you receive. Seek and you find. Knock and it's open. Take note of the relationship between the two of them. There is no place it said ask, wait, receive. Or seek, wait, find. I don't know if you're seeing this. Mm. Right? There's no place to say knock and then God will say, I'm coming before you open the door. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, the door open. Seek, you find it. I, I don't think it's making sense. Mm-hmm. Ask, you receive. So, you see the relationship. There's no wait. There's no wait until you mature. There's no, okay, God will be like, uh, you are not old enough to drive a Lamborghini. Let me give you an Audi. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let me give you an Audi so you drive. Oh no, you are not uh, rich enough to drive a Mercedes. Let me give you a Honda. Okay, there is no substitution. That's what I'm trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no none of those things there. It is direct. Ask, receive, seek, find, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So God is a father, and I just got brought the relationship of father to the mix, right? God is a father who loves to give his children good gifts. In fact, there is a place in scriptures where the apostle said that you should ask God 
and he will give you. But in the original translation, it is ask the giving God. So God is a giving God. That is his quality. Remember, there was one time we started about uh, God's attributes, attributes of God, understanding God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked about God being love, God having no anger in him, etc., etc. Another of his attributes, another of his qualities, what give. He said, I mean, I mean, if you, keep, if you look at the scriptures, is it? And God gave His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave, 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 gave. So how much more then? What? How much is your prayer that He can give? Right. So. God is a father who loves to give his children good gifts, good things. And nothing is as important as the Holy Spirit. So if he can give you the Holy Spirit, what else? Which is the guarantee of all that God has for you? Hallelujah. So therefore, there is more to prayer above asking and receiving. So what then is it? There's a relationship. This relationship transcends a friend and a friend. The relationship of the father and the son. So, when you see prayer as a relationship, it brings the realization that there is no need that can't be fulfilled. That there is nothing you ask for that God cannot do. Right. So, okay, let me let me eliminate God from that place. There is nothing that you ask for. That you will not get. I'm trying to remove the word God so that you don't go thinking it is God that that is the problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you understand God is not the problem. Okay. So there's nothing that you ask for that can't be fulfilled. There's nothing that you want that you can't receive. Hallelujah. So it is important to know that the emphasis is on relationship. And this relationship is built on the basis of relation. Sorry, this relationship is built on the basis of faith. Or the faith of Jesus Christ. Am I making sense? Yes. This relationship is built on the basis of the faith of Jesus Christ. It's not your faith. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Right? It's when Jesus Christ was raising Lazarus from the dead. He said, Father, I thank you that you what? You hear me always. I mean, he didn't go rolling on the ground and tearing his skin and shouting, Ah, Lazarus, ah, I thank you that you hear me always. He said, the reason why I'm even saying this is so that these people here will know that you sent me. He, did, he, he wasn't praying it because they want I need to hear him. No. He said, the reason I'm saying it is because they need to what? Know that you sent me. And he said, that's what was comfort. End of the matter. Let's see James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And if it will be given to you, and it will be given to you. Mm. So this is the place I was telling you about. It says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. But in the original translation, it is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the giving God that gives to all men liberally. And upbraided not. So I want to understand something. Did you see what he said there? He gives what? To all men. He didn't say he gives to only Christians. Like I was telling you earlier, that even someone who is an unbeliever, who does not believe in Christ, if he prays, he receives the answer. God is not a biased God. Are you making sense? Mm. Yeah. He's not a biased God. He's not the God of just the Christians. Like we said from the beginning, he said what? Let them have what? Dominion. He didn't say let Christians have dominion. Right? Mm. He didn't say let those who 
who believe in Jesus Christ have dominion. He said what? Let them have dominion. Talking about man, right? Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So God is a giving God and he gives to all men liberally with the knock of bread. The nature of God, as we see from that place, is that God is giving. Right? Therefore, when I ask God for anything, I receive all of it. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Let us continue. Mm-hmm. Now, from this place, I want to understand that God does not God gives without requirement. He does not require you to do anything. You see where it, where we led? He gives all men liberally. He didn't say you must bring something or you must believe in something, right? He does not have requirement. God gives without requirement. So he does not ask you if you are born again. He does not ask you if you have faith. So I don't know if this is beginning to answer those questions we asked earlier. Are you sure you have faith? Are you sure you are praying according to the will of God? Are you sure this? Are you sure that? You see, God doesn't have those criteria. It's us that put them for ourselves. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if he doesn't have those criteria, then you can have answers to all those questions and so on. So to all men, God gives without requirement and does not find fault, as we saw in that place. Like we read before from James chapter 1, verse 5, right? Verse 5. God does not ask you if you are qualified before he gives you a gift. He doesn't ask you, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you believed? Do you have faith? Those things. God does not ask those questions. He just gives because it is his nature. He is a giving God. To all men that ask, he gives. Then what matters in prayer is not the person asking. Am I making sense? It is the person being asked. If you understand from scriptures, as we've been going through now, right? The person asking is not who matters because God gives, right? God has already given. The question is not, the, the problem is not who is asking. It is the person you are asking, right? The person you are asking is who is important, not you asking from what we have seen in scriptures. If you look at the thief on the cross, let's look at a very common example, right? To show you what I'm talking about, about the person asking. I'll try that the person being asked, not the person asking, but it's important. The person being asked. When the thief was on the cross, when he said, Lord, remember me today in paradise, did Jesus Christ ask him, ask him, why are you here? Did he, did he ask him, have you repented? Did he ask him any of those questions? Did he even ask him, do you believe in me? Immediately he said, just guy said what? Today, me and you will be what? In paradise. Some people will argue, no, God knows his heart. But that is not the problem. If it was about his heart, we would have read it in the scripture that it was because Jesus Christ saw his heart. Right? Because usually when such a question comes up, we see it in scriptures, isn't it? Don't, don't we see it in scriptures? Like when the Pharisees were tempting Jesus, these scriptures wrote that Jesus Christ knew their heart. Right? Yeah, but you see, when that guy prayed, he never told us that Jesus Christ knew his heart. He just did what? He said, today, me and you will be in paradise. So the problem is not about the person asking. It's about the person being asked. That is what is important in prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. We must relate with God according to his word, not according to our experiences. Because sometimes our experiences color God. And what people say about God affects our experiences and our perception of God. 
Let's see again, James 1, verse 5 and 6. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, or like I told you, let him ask of the giving God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraided not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Now this is where people have the idea that no, you didn't ask in faith. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about whether you asked in faith or not. Let me read it again from the Message Bible. So if you don't know what you are doing, verse 5, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You will get his help and won't be condescended to when you act for it. Now he tells you, ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you are going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. So when someone goes boldly and believingly, that means the person has no other option. If I'm, I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. So there's no other option. So you don't go to pray and you're like, no, if this prayer doesn't work, I'll go and do this, I'll go and do that, I'll go and do the other one, I'll go and do the other one. And then when, when, when you don't get answers to the prayer, you say, no, God didn't answer me. You were not bold. That's what he said, asking faith. Asking faith doesn't mean that you have to have faith. No. He says, be specific, be bold. Like, there is no other option, God. It's only you, give it to me. But if you go to prayer and then you have other options at the back of your mind, of course, you won't have answers to your prayer. So, be specific, be bold. That's what he's trying to say. So, because God is God is single-minded about giving, we have to come to him single-minded about receiving. So, we have to come to God with single-mindedness that you are going to give it to me. Not, okay, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. But in the back of your mind, you are like, if I don't receive this thing from God, I'll go and do this one, I'll go and do that one, I'll go and do that one, and then I'll get it. <laughs> You're not getting answers to that prayer. Because God is single-minded. He's specific. So you also, when you are praying, be specific. Be single-minded. Don't have options open. That's why in, in the in the lesson, in the message, it says, those who worry their prayer. Yeah, what you're doing, you're worrying. When you have so much options in your mind, you're worrying. Because that's what worry is, isn't it? They're like, if this one doesn't work out, I'll do this one, if this one, you're worrying. And then you say you're praying. How are you praying? So be single-minded, be specific, be bold, right? So we're seeing how to have breakthrough prayers, right? Okay. So this scripture was James? James 1, 5 and 6. So because God is single-minded about giving, we should come to him single-minded about receiving. Let's also see verse 13 of the same James. Let's continue. 13 to 17. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil, I'm still reading from the message, say, God is trying to trick me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame, but the layering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a killer. 16. So, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven 
The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true world, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Hallelujah. Sin is not a creation of God. It is a creation of man, as we have seen. Because everything God created is good. Right? So you can't come and say, no, it may be because of my sin and all those kind of things. The prayer not being answered because of sin is not God. God is not afraid of sin, as some might believe. God brought the cure for sin, right? So if he brought the cure for sin, why would he be afraid of sin? Is, there, is anybody with me here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if God brought the cure for sin, why would he be afraid of sin? And then people start to think that God is afraid of sin. He brought the cure. Why would he be afraid of it? Let's see Romans 5, verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death came to all people, because all sin. Mm. So that is how sin came. Right? Mm. Came through man, didn't come through God. So God does not change his mind about what he has spoken. His plans for you will never change. Right? I know my I know my thoughts towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you what? An expected end. Mm. Right? So you don't come and say, no, maybe God doesn't want to give me this thing. He's tempting me. To see what I will do, to see if I will have faith in Him. <laughs> we already read that God does not tempt anyone with Him, right? Isn't it? Yeah. So you can't say no. The reason why God didn't answer my prayer is because He is tempting me to see if I will have faith in Him, if I will stay, if I will still keep believing in Him. I mean, why would He be working with His enemy? Huh? Sin and death is the enemy of God. So why would He be working with them? I don't even make sense. Yeah, why would you work with them? So God does not change. Doesn't even His plans towards you will never change. You have to know what God has spoken concerning you, and for you to know what God has spoken concerning you, you have to come into Christ. Hallelujah. So from uh, verse eighteen and nineteen of that same uh, place that we read, that is, uh, you see from there that your your struggles don't represent God in action. Verse 18 and 19 of James chapter 1. If you read that place, you see that your struggles, they don't represent God in action. Right? So you don't say, no, the way I'm suffering, God is walking, walking, walking through my suffering. <laughs> to do, to know what? <laughs> what is he doing through your suffering? Preparing you for what? The sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> so your struggles they don't represent God in action. So don't go and say no, the reason I'm suffering is because God is working. Nah. All your suffering, everything already, Christ already has it. Nailed to the cross. So why would he come and give you extra? For what? So it don't represent God in action. God in action is Christ. You want to see God in action. Look at Christ. That is God in action. Hallelujah. Yeah. So therefore, when we pray, we should exhort God's word above our experiences, above our struggles. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Before we come to an end, let's see Matthew 7, verse 11. Mm-hmm. 
If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Hallelujah. Questions like, did God decline my request? Was I in doubt when I prayed? Do I have faith? Did God hear all things I prayed about? Maybe God has a better plan for me. Those questions, if from all the scriptures we've been going through, was there any place where you saw God using those those things? Was there any place he was like, no, maybe uh, I'll give it to you if you have enough faith? Was there any place where he was like, I have a better plan for you? We didn't see any of those things. Mm. So when we ask ourselves those questions after we have prayed, what those questions do is they draw us further and further away from the answers to our prayer. Because they begin to sow doubts in your mind. They begin to bring worry up. And remember, when you worry your prayer, you won't receive anything. Right? A question like, maybe God has a better plan for me, attacks God's sovereignty. But we already know God's sovereignty. All of God's sovereignty is in Christ. Right? There was this statement you made one time during the that uh, video lesson that we made that time. Yeah, you said Jesus Christ is all of God's fullness. So that is God's sovereignty. Which better plan does He have for you as apart from Christ? So you're bringing God's sovereignty into question. But we know God's sovereignty already is in Christ. So you see that the whole thing all deals on what knowledge, right? And you are complete in Christ. So if you are complete in Christ, then I mean, which other better plan is He looking for than Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. <clears throat> your will is God's will in Christ. You know, they say maybe God does not will me to have this thing. Right? I'm talking about believers. I'm not I'm not talking about others who talking about believers, right? Maybe God does not want me to have this thing. Your will is God's will. Because you are in Christ. What you will is what God wills. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. When Jesus Christ says that Lord from the dead, did he asked God, is he your will? Did he ask God, is he your will? Mm. He was hot that his friends died. He said, well, that's Lord's comfort. Mm. Did he go and say, God, please, mm. if it's your will, let him get up. Mm. Nah, that's Lord's rise up. Mm. Mm. So your will is God's will in Christ. Hallelujah. So prophecy does not decide the will of God. For those of you who like uh, to wait for one prophet to mm. prophesy into your life, mm. prophecy does not decide the will of God. Christ decides the will of God. And if you are in Christ, you are in the will of God. And your will is God's will. They are all mutual. They work together. And never making sense. What prophecy does is it edifies. So if prophecy is not edifying you, go and check it. <laughs> I don't ever make it sense. Yeah. Go and check it. If prophecy is not edifying you, go and check it. There was this uh, this thing I came across where some people were having all these uh, no seniority something about men of God. No, this one is a senior, so what he says has to be true. You know, those kind of things. They're having those kind of arguments. And then I remembered, do you remember that prophet, the young prophet who was sent to one city to go and prophesy? And then when he got there, he prophesied and he was told, when you prophesy, don't go back the way you came. 
And then when he was going, an old prophet came and told him, no, I saw another what? Prophecy. And I should come back and eat in my house. Mm-hmm. When he was also told, don't eat in that place, mm-hmm. he ate in the guy's house. When he finished, because of course, he's an old prophet. So, I mean, he must have been hearing God more than I'm hearing God tonight. <laughs> and so he ate in that place. Hmm? And then when he was not going, lion, he, um, when, when he was not going, the, the old boy now, now got a real prophecy <laughs> and said, because he disobeyed, okay, he will die. Mm-hmm. Right? So, age of a prophet or age of a lie told by whoever does not uh, make it the truth. And as a believer, the same measure of God that is in you, no matter whether you, uh, you got born again today or you got born again 200 years ago, the same spirit of God, the same measure that is in that 200 years old prophet or man of God is the same that is in you. Am I making sense? Don't let people's words and experiences be your judge for who God is. That's what I'm trying to say in essence. Learn God for yourself. Look at the scriptures. What, what do scriptures say? Not what did this man of God say? Am I making sense? Hallelujah. Prophecy does not decide the will of God, it edifies. Everything in Christ concerning you is perfect and good. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're coming to an end. Therefore, God is all-giving, generous. He has no refusal in his character. As we saw in James 1 verse 5, he is what? A giving God. He does not find fault. As we see in Matthew 6 verse 8. Let us read that place. Matthew 6 verse 8. Be not ye therefore, Matthew 6 verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your heavenly Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Right? So he has he knows what you need before you ask him. Yeah. So you ask, he doesn't find fault. In essence, prayer from this way we just read now is not informing God of what you need. This is the definition of prayer we talked about. I, I said, today I will tell you about it. Right? So what is prayer? Prayer is not informing God of what you need. It is not calling God's attention to what you need or to a need that you have. Because he knows from what we just read now. Right? Prayer is a relationship. That is what prayer is. That is the fundamental structure. Let me put it like that. Fundamental, fundamental, <laughs> it is the fundamental structure of prayer, relationship. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yes, that is what prayer is. Hallelujah. With this, we come to an end of the study for today. We will continue again at next week.